Stories are the essential building blocks of empathy and human connection. Since the beginning of humankind, storytelling has been used to connect, engage, inspire, heal and create a brighter future. I'm convinced that it's stories that change our world. I've seen for myself how hearts have been changed and opinions have been softened when real people share their stories. When I was younger, I received a church prize book called 10 Girls That Changed the World and it's this book that has inspired this podcast series. You may know stories of Christians like Martin Luther King Jr., Florence Nightingale or William and Catherine Booth. But in this series, we're hearing stories that change the world from people that you may not have heard of. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. I'm trying to change up my podcast voice because last time I got told off for being too... Didn't tell you off. Well, no, you didn't tell me off, but you were just kind of... Yeah, you made a comment. So I'm just I'm just trying to liven it up a bit more. How are you, Beth? I'm good, thank you. Well, I've got a bit of a... Got a bit of a cold, cold so I, I sound very husky. Nasally. Um, so apologies if it sounds a bit odd. Probably got um, a lower voice than me now. Just... We'll see. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, welcome to episode three. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Or if you're first time here, hello. You've missed a couple of good episodes, so I recommend going and checking those out after this one. Or go and check them out first and come back. Whatever you feel like doing. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. There's not really any kind of flow. No. I'm doing a hand gesture of the flow. Um but yeah, welcome back. Episode three, Jarena Lee. Episode three, Jarena Lee. You did that on purpose. I actually didn't, but I love myself that I did that subconsciously. <laughs> yeah, that that would make you really pleased in the side. It does, yeah. She's got a big smile on her face. Um, yeah, so today we are looking at Jarena Lee, who I had, I mean, funny enough, I had not, never heard of this person. Um, and I think that's going to be the theme going through this whole series, really, the people that we either haven't heard of or people that we've kind of heard of but don't really know their story. But this, yeah, this is an incredible woman, isn't it? I knew of the, the, like the name and the story like was like floating in the ether, like very ether. loosely. Yeah, I I knew of this first woman preacher, but yeah, mm. I, I didn't first African. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, exciting. Yeah, so really John, do you want to kick us, kickstart our story? Absolutely. Share about the story of Jarena Lee. Um, so Jarena Lee is so okay, well actually let's go back to like we've said in the other two episodes all of these kind of stories we've seen on the bios the bios are from christianity today who have done a few like would you say series of writings um just to kind of show like people that have influence in christian world and wider world as well not um, all of our sources not all of us but not all of them there. not all of them will be from that but for just these first three, these first three have been um but this is what uh, christianity today um had to say about jarena lee so according to her bi- autobiography uh lee was born on february the 11th 1783 in a town i'd never heard of cape may in new jersey uh, she grew up separated from her parents because of her work as a maid in a white household 60 miles from her hometown. So her story starts one Sunday in 1817 when 
Jarena Lee attended a service at her church, which was the Mother Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia. Would you say I was right, Beth, if I pronounced that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, or the AME. Um, a former servant, Lee had become a Christian nearly a decade before. Um, a conversion experience which also awoke her desire to preach. Although she had expressed this calling to church leadership, uh, Lee had never taken the pulpit until that particular day. Now, Richard Allen, the um, AME's church founder and denomination bishop, who also served as Mother Bethel's pastor, was in the audience that particular day. Lee had informed Allen on her aspirations eight years earlier about being a preacher but he hadn't felt comfortable letting a woman speak from the pulpit but that particular sunday alan changed his mind convinced that god's gift was operating in her following this lee would embark upon a career of public preaching the first african-american woman to preach the gospel publicly lee preached to racially mixed methodists uh, presbyterian baptist and wesleyan audiences across the mid-atlantic states Lower Canada, Cincinnati, Detroit and New England. What's more, she did so at a time when slavery was still legal and neither African Americans nor women could own property or vote. She spoke in her sermons about separation and segregation, even if not directly. It is believed that the segregation in the Episcopal Church was a factor in Lee leaving the church. feel like there's such so much to her story so we've had to break it up we a have bit to, yeah we've had to cut it up massively so i mean the first thing that i really have highlighted is I'm, there's so many things i'm like my brain's like running <laughs> away with me i think what stands out to me first is it's like again we got similar to francis willard just that sheer determination to be to stand and and speak against all the odds against what everything that society is opposed for and that last lot you know that last bit you spoke about John was saying that all these things you know her speaking and preaching and it wasn't just in this town and this one Sunday it started then but you mm. know it went across a lot of the you know mid-Atlantic states it says at a time when um it was at a time when slavery was legal and neither African American nor women could own property or vote mm. so not like not only were women not allowed to speak or like have no. much say or vote or own property she is an african-american woman yeah, she, so the the fact that she had she was given this opportunity and she put and put herself in this position is just mm, incredible yeah like massive guts to do it you know yeah. and kind of to have that conviction of your own calling yeah as well that she yeah. was kind of like this is my this is what i feel god's called me to do and i'm going to go and do it like even you know because you, you you're reading that it's like eight years earlier that she had that and then she's sitting on that for eight years yeah yeah and that's and actually that's eight years since she spoke to that particular bloke um about preaching so it could even be a longer period than that yeah which it is isn't it um and i think that's just powerful isn't it that it through that kind of adversity it was like no i'm gonna like god's given me this call i'm gonna run with it yeah absolutely i think and I realise I want to stop saying I think because I realised last episode I was saying that so much but what was really standing out to me when you were just speaking is something that and I think all the time that we hear these stories we what connects to us is how it potentially can connect to our own story mm. and when you were saying when you were talking about you know that long time of period of waiting it reminded me of something from 
for my own personal ministry calling and our ministry calling in that there can be difference between when you are called to um something and when you're called to do something yeah and i think that distinction is very different so in our circumstance we were called very young Mm. into ministry into christian ministry particularly in the salvation army that's at that time that was salvation army officership as ministers of the salvation army when we were mid-teenagers individually we weren't together at the time I don't know why you needed to know that, but I just shared that. Just some inside knowledge. Um, <laughs> but after some wise counsel mm. from people in both of our lives separately, and then when we have, once we got married, you know, development of our own faith, development of the piece of discernment, we have come to learn there is a really important distinction for some people in their callings from God that you can be called to something, but it doesn't mean that has to be in that moment. Yeah, it doesn't you, mean straight away at all. Yeah, and you have to have that conviction, that discernment, that wisdom, mm. um, and that wisdom in you know maturity and faith to recognize, well, if God's calling me, is this now? Yeah. Or is this at some point in my life? And we have always said that we have felt this conviction, but we just haven't felt that it was right now. Yeah. Um, and then God brings new things into your life in, in, and to shape you to that. So I wonder if this was the case for her, that mm. she always had this conviction of, I'm called to preach. Yeah. But I know that the time and the Bible verse that I think immediately of is the Esther. Yeah. Is it Esther? I think Four. it's 9.14 or 14.9. Yeah. Something like um, that. <laughs> uh, which is for such a time as this. Mm. And I think perhaps you were created for, for such, such a time, time as this. Yeah. And I think that passage is so crucial in that it reminds us that, and obviously we have the Ecclesiastes passage of there is a time for everything. Yeah. And I think that's such a crucial piece in the faith journey in mm. understanding time and that God's time is not human time yeah. as well. And I think the power in her discerning when was the right time for her to speak and preach and mm. what, and what got her to that point yeah and also i guess the thought process would be as well like you're saying that even though she had that definite call to preach she had that period that season before that came about so what type of preaching did she do in there every day it would have been the Mm. talking to people it would have been journeying with people continuing her job i mean i assume she was still a servant right when this was happening i'm not too sure um she was a maid a maid yeah so I think that maybe that that was still a part of it as well. So even in that role and that job that she was doing, I wonder if she still thought this is an opportunity to grow and to build, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's a really, yeah, that's something we can all learn from. Um, you know, if I just think about, like you're saying, Beth, the time when we felt called to what we, you know, f- to full-time ministry of some sort, how we did different things but in those different jobs and everything we did but there was still that underlining dna that we're called to to full-time ministry yeah it's powerful isn't it yeah and the other piece that i think nicely segues into that is so we get to this moment on this sunday she's at a service at mother bethel african methodist episcopal church such a mouthful that's why they gave an abbreviation yeah that's why the acronym's there Um, right but so this Sunday she decides or asks to preach mm. and Richard Allen, one of the founders and leading bishops, the, the, the words, I'm, we're quoting directly from the words on Christianity Today and it says, 
that Alan changed his mind, convinced that God's gift was operating in her. Mm. And I don't know why, but that to me is so incredibly powerful. And it makes me kind of emotional because this man, Richard Allen, who we know very little of from this story, was so connected and was so in tune to the Holy Spirit that he allowed all of his human prejudice beliefs societal structures yeah, culture at that time culture yeah, yeah. to be completely changed based mm. on what he felt convinced was god yeah. and that we need we need more of that like Amen. that it should be our prayer mm. that people are convinced that it that something is god's gift or something is god's will yeah. and obviously there is a danger in that well what if people are convinced that it's god's thing and it's negative <laughs> so there is but so I understand how that can be, you know, seen in many different ways. But in this instance, I'm just, I'm bowled over by this, you know, this man's ability. Boldness, I, I guess. Yeah, it? ability isn't the right word. I'm just, I am really kind of struck by, he was convinced that God's gift was operating in her. He saw something mm. in her and he was like, that's of God. And no matter what anybody thinks or shared, this woman needs to speak because God's yeah, speaking through her. She's got a message to share that you know she can deliver no one else can yeah and that Mm. speaks so much to me of what jesus did you know we think again about the story of the samaritan woman or um or even things like the story of matthew you know when society when society says you don't have a voice to say or you shouldn't be part of a disciple group or you should be part of Mm. church jesus says otherwise jesus sees what god created in us to Mm. do that i think it's just uh yeah such a powerful leverage and a powerful segment and part of that story yeah and I think the last bit of what you spoke about, John, was her power to use the issues of the, that day, yeah. use the issues that mattered to her to to preach and to incorporate, you know, passions and societal change in the need for her teaching and preaching. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a really important thing, isn't it? I think when we have a soapbox or um, a platform where we can we can talk about those things that are happening in our everyday life. It needs to come from those people that have lived it and Mm. can share their experience of that particular thing. So someone like Jarena, who's going to be coming from a place of segregation, um, separation and oppression in a way, isn't it? Um, You know, I think she will know from the, her own spirituality and how she's dealt with that. And so then her sharing how she's dealt with that in a, in a sense of a testimony, but also then, you know, God would have given her loads of messages about how to share that with people. Mm. Like, I think that's just really powerful, isn't it? Just the idea that even in those times of adversity like that, like we've heard from the other two episodes as well, those times of adversity, God will use that particular person to share a story through that. Um, I just think that's really encouraging. Should we read the the next bit of her story? Yeah. Yeah, so her story continues and it says that in her autobiography, she talks about how she strangely buffeted um, with the enemy, the, the devil, she writes, and there was a spiritual turmoil that went on for weeks and she reached a point of ending her life. And then it goes on to say how it was only when God intervened by sending a frightening vision one fateful fateful night, fateful night, fateful (laughs) fateful night. And she talks about this image being of a dog and like a a rabid dog and um, 
how it scared her but this image kind of gave her an an awakening Mm. and and even though she had converted she talks about how you know even even in this she had a spiritual turmoil and that all of these kind of spiritual crises and turmoils brought her to a place where she felt called to a particular church and she moved to churches Mm. and that it describes the moment (laughs) where she actually preached Mm. and it says that this is what happened. So it explains that Alan was preaching um, or was about to begin to preach when Lee leapt to her feet and declared that God had pardoned the sins of my soul. And uh, yeah, I just love, I just love that. I love the language. Conviction. Yeah. That kind of language of how it was written. I was just, yeah, I think that's brilliant. So this kind of whole time at this Mount Bethel was really like the propeller for her being the first African American preacher. Mm. female preacher and as we said before she traveled across all the atlantic states and preached and became very influential influential and well known Mm. um and i think you know her work and her life offer this glimpse into this extraordinary christian woman Mm. and illuminating also not only was that not only her as as a woman but also the life of a methodist preacher and then the difficulties of adding you know how difficult it is to be a preacher anyway yeah. in a society, let alone add on that a woman preacher and an African-American preacher. Yeah. So all of these kind of things were against her, really. And she must have had to overcome so many hurdles to become that. And how, I wonder how many doors closed in yeah. her life. How many times yeah. churches said no because you're a woman or, mm. you know, or how she was... Her, her life could have been physically in danger, you yeah. know, from being offered to preach in spaces. Because while, you know, this is the African Methodist Episcopal Church, they're connected obviously to the Methodist Church. And I'm sure there may have been times when there was like mixed mm. congregations. There was still probably segregation, but just the, the violence that could have ensued and the danger she potentially put herself in. Yeah. It kind of, it's kind of astounding that conviction again we talk about she must have had to be able to believe that this was what God called her to do despite any um, risks mm. and as well you know coming from very little education preaching in slave holding you know slave holding states in a time of turmoil mm. and I as a self-taught individual she's just one of these incredible self-made kind of people that stands for standing on your own kind of beliefs Mm. and sticking to what you believe is true you know regardless of the consequences yeah you know regardless of what may come your way Mm. and i believe that it must be that case where we have this saying that i heard ages ago i don't know where from in that god closes doors to protect us and opens them to promote us Mm. and i wonder if like i can't help but get a glimpse of that in her story you know that where people said no, hmm. that, that God was just protecting her from things and where the doors opened for her and the churches that were open to her, hmm. God used to promote her and that just increased and changed. Yeah, absolutely. But I think like, she's not only just a leading figure for the, for the African-American population at that time uh, during that Second Great Awakening, but she's also a trailblazer for women's mi- women in ministry. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that, you know... I just think about all the amazing women who are so influential in my life growing up and still 
um, influential in my life. I can't imagine a life without that. Like, and that's just like from without a ma- that teaching, that teaching, and mm. uh, like having that uh, that woman uh, speaking into your life kind of thing. I think is a really important thing. Mm. So to have someone like Jarena who has gone before and taken it on in her stride to be that first woman preacher, I think is just really really powerful um and the fact that that's that's created a platform um pardon the pun in the sense of preaching but that's created a platform for women in leadership in all sorts of walks of life i would say as well Mm. you know i just yeah like i just think about like the like yourself beth and how you you speak into people's lives as a salvation army leader um where we are in faversham but also like wider afield as well like those those women that I see on social media that post really like thought provoking and challenging messages from God and um, challenge those things in our society that hold back um, progress and where we don't love people for who they are. And there's women at the front of that making sure that we do challenge that and say we need to love people in our society more. And I think it comes back to people like Jarena who in the face of persecution i would assume as well being you know an african-american woman with a calling from god i can assume i can just assume that there was massive persecution on her life and you know they won't be in the book probably but stories of being oppressed and almost pushed to the side by by the church yeah i mean she's a total trailblazer like mm. there's no other word I, I love that that word i mean it's brilliant it just sounds so american a trailblazer yeah i love it but there's no other word for someone mm. like her that you know and it's those key words there that conviction that holy spirit fire in her yeah that just blazed that way for other women to say well if she's done mm. it i can do it yeah and without women like her to have taken that first step or lep, mm. lep, lep. <laughs> I'll say that again. <laughs> I'll keep that in whatever. Uh. For women like her who took that first step or leap, <laughs> it's because I was trying to make it rhyme with step lep. and lep. Lep works. <laughs> no, lep leap. Of faith. It's a leap. As it literally said, she leaped to her feet to speak. Mm. Without women taking that leap, we don't know where people like I would be today. All those mm. women that we, you know, those incredible women preachers that you know i know influenced my life and you've spoken of where yeah. where would they be so but we've got so much work to still do like i think that i still can't like personally still can't get over the fact that women in church in certain areas of the world still don't have a voice mm. and that's not even including the race card which is still a big thing in church as well around the world yeah um but i think that that just mind that blows my mind because there's so like god calls all of us it's the whosoever like you know it's the priesthood of all believers and it's like well how can we and uh, when i say we that's the royal we for men who you know how can we hold back those callings on people from god because they're a different sex or they're a different race do you know what i mean like i don't i just yeah i struggle with that yeah definitely Mm. and it's such a bigger piece it's such a bigger yeah story and all of these little key players and characters in this story are just really grateful for Mm. what they contribute yeah um something else that i think is quite striking from her story is the fact that she doesn't shy away from 
her to use her language in the her autobiography her spiritual turmoil and yeah. her crisis of faith moments and i think that that isn't really hugely talked a lot about in mm. terms of the walk of faith of like for, uh, being a follower of jesus and how you can have these moments of crisis you yeah. can have these moments of turmoil where doubt mm. <laughs> is like the number one <laughs> like shouting screaming thing in your life yeah. um and how things can just eat away at your faith how mm. life how grief how external voices voices and... illness physical whether that be physical or mental how all of these things can can stir up and create a bigger crisis mm. and that that that's okay to happen mm. you know and that that it doesn't diminish your who you are as a person that god will still use and challenge us and that's just the natural part of being a human i think yeah of having those moments where we we raise those questions and and we begin to question everything but she talks about how that god intervened and yeah i think sometimes people don't always hear that mm. voice of god and they think that god doesn't intervene and a quite I, still voice yeah yeah and i you know perhaps when people have had have had a faith crisis and have left because of it mm. you know i wonder i don't think it's because god hasn't intervened in their life i mean it may be that it's not at that time mm. but sometimes i feel like we haven't do we give people the tools is what i'm trying to say i think to understand how to listen to god's voice or where it comes from mm. and that it's not always this audible thing it can be sometimes in the action of another human being or in the still small witness of creation like yeah. there can be so many ways that god can speak to us and i i don't know if we quite and i say we i'm talking very probably too specifically about the salvation army but do we help each other in this in discipleship in connecting with god speaking to us and understanding what that is and can look like yeah. and how actually it doesn't look the same for everyone all the time and how mm. god will speak to me one day maybe different to the next day yeah. and how yeah we that life isn't always like life and faith journey isn't this you Straight, know, shiny yeah. perfect line it's mm. i think of psalm 23 yeah yeah you got a valley in there yeah yeah you the down, there's a down and then a pit mm. and then there's an up yeah and sometimes that incline is longer and harder and tougher than others mm. um but i would love if if jarina was sitting at the table right now mm. um i think if she was sitting here i'd ask her you know what was the kind of key moments or key things that helped you connect with god in to get out of those faith crisis you know was mm. it just that like was it a pure divine you know that kind of audible voice of god or that or that vision of god that changed yeah. things mm. or were there other things that connected to that yeah what would you ask jorina if she was sitting right here at our table i'd love to know how she was feeling in that moment you know when you like i don't know what, when she was at the pulpit or the no, first time that, no that kind of when you're sitting down in a congregation or sitting somewhere and you know you've got that kind of feeling in yourself that there's a oh yeah that holy know, spirit feeling yeah yeah when you're like hearts fluttering hearts you feel fluttering, sick you feel like there's something in your stomach that kind of thing we all, we've all felt it yeah even if you don't even if you said no you won't you definitely felt yeah, it absolutely and i think you know there's so many things like even if you're just having a conversation with with someone and you you feel passionate about something you you have that feeling and i'd love to i'd love to hear what she says about that feeling and mm. how that was in that moment like 
like was it for like 20 minutes was it for like half an hour was it that whole morning before it even got do you know what i mean or was yeah. it for a week before like just that would i'd love to ask like how did you feel in that moment like so like it's, it always sounds like a counseling session how do you feel but i just think that's a for me that was yeah i'd love to know how she felt and then that kind of i guess that releasing of calling as well like when she got to that point how did that feel like how did that feel when you were fulfilling your calling that you've been holding on to for so long? Yeah. Um, because I just think about how I feel doing what we're doing right now, and that it definitely that feel that fulfillment of what I feel God's called me to do, mm. and coming away from each day almost feeling like it's such a surreal feeling because you're doing something that is so God inspired that you never in a million years thought you would have been doing, even though you dreamt it for so long that God put you in that place. Yeah. But I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to, like, love to have a conversation with her at the table. Never underestimate the power of being called and the power and weight of the lived experiences that you have up until that moment. Mm. And I think we touched on it briefly, didn't we, about how there can be a difference between when you're convicted or called to something as to when you fulfill that yeah, calling yeah. and the period in between. And even before that is God using you. Mm. You know, we believe that when God does call us into officership ministry, that all of the things that we have lived up to this time, mm. a plethora of things, both spiritually, personally, in terms of family, faith, life, mm. church, everything will all bring power to the ministry that we will lead will all yeah. bring something to the table yeah. no pump you know like uh-huh. um and we should never underestimate that power and mm. calling is a it's i wouldn't say it's underestimated in church but i think calling can be kind of pigeonholed in churches that if if you you know i think that calling can have many faces and like facets i think you can be called to preach, but not be a preacher. Yeah. You know, I I I know some incredible preachers that had pro- professional jobs mm. in the secular world. Yeah. You know, and I know some incredible teachers that were accountants, mm. <laughs> you know, and I know some incredible teachers that were teachers. And I think calling is so beautiful and we have so many stories in scripture of different callings and what happens when calling isn't fulfilled or is not right i know one of your favorite stories is jonah that's Mm. a huge calling story yeah um and of the you know about running away from your calling but i think we mentioned in a previous episode that we in faversham for faversham press expression we journeyed through the chosen tv series did we mention that can't remember. I'm sure we have in the past, but we do. <laughs> um, and in that, it talks a lot about. It focuses a lot on the disciples and how Jesus brought them into his, into his fellowship and ministry, and their individual callings to follow Jesus as a disciple, mm. to be a fisher of men, is one of my favourite aspects of that TV show, and has completely transformed my thinking of calling, mm. and how we can all be at different stages. And how we're called can be different. Some of us need that really deep, specific calling. Like, I called you by your name. Who mm. you are as an as a name is important. I called you by your circumstance. 
I called you by hapsance, you know, you just fell into my fold. Like there was mm. no dramatic aha moment. And, and that, and the peace in all of that, there's just, there's such a, a, a power in calling. And I, I don't like when we pigeonhole people into doing something, you know, if somebody stands up and leads a, leads a meeting perhaps at, in church or preaches or gives a testimony that is holy spirit driven or powerful that we automatically say oh you're called to be a minister Mm. or you're called to do this i think we as christians really need to be very careful about the language that we use and place on people's callings yeah i do believe that some people god can speak to them to give them another person's calling i do believe that god works through that i've Mm. had that spoken over my own life but I think the people who have done that to me have taken time. They've listened to God about that about that word. Mm. They're wise people, so they've taken time to discern that. And they've chosen when they've given that to me to make sure that it comes to me at a time I'm prepared for and ready for. Yeah. And I think we're too quick to, to label and identify a person's calling when they may not be ready to hear that or they may that may not be true because just because we believe that we've, if we're going to place that on somebody's life, we've got to discern and ask God if that's right. Because the damage that that can do over somebody thinking that that's what God's called them to do because they've been told that can be catastrophic for a person's faith. Mm. And on, on the other side, you know, I, I'm thinking of a couple of people who I know who are called to do incredible things and be incredible leaders in the salvation army but i don't necessarily think that means in the way that we think of it now Mm -hmm. as in like they have a salvation army officership title or a job role Mm. i'm thinking i've got these faces right now in my heads of people that are influencing in the local and influencing in the territorial who are going to be incredible people who are growing and developing into being incredible incredible people Mm. who are going to have such power and such calling on their lives but that but from what I know of where their journey is, that doesn't mean officership and that mm. doesn't mean leadership as we know it in the army. But they are going to be a leader, yeah. I do believe. And they are going to have power and a calling to speak into certain key issues in the army. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got to get better mm. as a church, as a people at taking and discerning what God is saying over our lives and other people's lives and not be brash when we throw it out. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So Dorino, like making that bold step to, in inverted commas, step up in that moment was the start of a great journey, wouldn't it? Mm. I mean, not only for her and her ministry, but also the freedom and the acceptance of other women in ministry. God blesses us all with like unique and powerful callings in life. Like Jesus left us the power through the gift of the spirit, didn't he? That we are able to share that with others. So like we read in the Bible, don't we, Beth, of like stepping up in those kind of times and in those spaces. Um, and Isaiah 56, one came to my mind when kind of thinking around what to speak about, like Bible verse wise. And this came out, it was like, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Yeah. And that just speaks of all of that, doesn't it? Mm. You know how we've got to that justice and doing right peace is it's about being connected to the Holy Spirit yeah. in not being of our own wishes, desires, our own agenda. Mm. It's got to be of God's agenda and God's time. Yeah. And that's not our time. That can be frustrating for us. You know, we've had many people tell us, 
oh, you should be doing this. Mm. And it can feel really disheartening for us because we really don't feel that. And yeah. our and we know that God's time is not our time. Mm. And that we just pray every day. We wake up and our prayer is that we're ready to be revealed for what God wants to us. And mm. when that happens that day, we'll be honest, hopefully, with each other and say, yeah. I'm ready. And mm. and that we're there. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, that Jarena is just a, a incredible example of doing what's right mm. speaking when is right yeah for such a time as this for such a time as this and she was so instrumental for women for women's role in preaching and mm. uh as we said without her where there would the world church ministry faith would probably be very different yeah um and as white people mm. we can't really understand the gravity of what that means in terms of like the African-American or any other minority group example, like when people lead that, like the weight of that. Mm. Um, but we do recognize that the step that that must've taken in terms of race and segregation and yeah. separation from, you know, the culture, like slavery was still legal at the time when she did this, <laughs> the weight of that we can't ignore. Yeah. And we, we thank God for her bravery yeah, and, I just feel that I feel there's a white woman, woman. I don't have that lived experience of that, but I do recognize the power and the weight. And I am just in awe of women who do that and any individuals who step out against the tide, against injustice. Yeah. And that passage there says, doesn't it? Maintain justice and do what is right. And, mm. and in her preaching, she spoke against segregation and she spoke against what was what wasn't going on was right at the time. Mm. And I pray that we all just continue to do that. We speak up for what is right. Amen. Yeah. Um, whether that be, and we spoke about it last time, didn't we? In yeah. the last two episodes, whether it's racism or sexism or homophobia or, or ableism or whatever it is that, mm. that we won't as, as people who aren't part of those communities, we will be allies. We will speak for, we will stand with mm. and, we will empower and honor their stories and, and create these beautiful pictures mm. of the kingdom yeah, and of, of life and real life. Mm, and yeah. that comes in mess as well and beauty all in one. Yeah. Love that. Well, what an episode. And again, and another amazing person that, you know, another person that kind of got lost in the waves of history <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, Absolutely. we're so thankful uh, that we we're able to find some stuff about Jarena and her, yeah, her life and her calling and her ministry. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And if you stayed all the way through to the end, um, hope you've been well done. Well done. <laughs> well done. Thanks for staying with us. Um, but no, we hope that you've you've learned something new. We hope that you've felt challenged by what we've spoken about today. If there's anything that you wanted to ask us or if there's anything that stood out that you'd like to talk to us about um, you can drop us a direct message on social media or you can drop us a whatsapp on um, our mobile number or you can give us a call or you can send a carrier pigeon or whatever you <laughs> I was like. like where are you going oh, with mate, this i've got so many so 
So the next person we're looking at is Dame Cicely Saunders, who was a recommendation from one of our listeners. So um, Hi, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Um, thank you for your recommendation. Thanks for your recommendation. If you have a recommendation yourself and you'd like us to have maybe have a little talk about them or if, even if you just want to share how they've impacted your life, please drop us a message about that as well. But So, yeah, thanks for dropping by and we hope you have a really good rest of your day, your week, your month, whatever. Um, but you're loved and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. One, two, three, check out. Boom, boom. <laughs>